It's Monday. It's April 10th. And the word of the day is snollygoster, which means one who relentlessly pursues their own agenda at the expense of everyone else. Used in a sentence, if you enjoyed Atlas Shrugged, but the libertarian message was a little too subtle, you will love the virtue of snollygosterism. Feels like there's a lot of very serious conversations where calling somebody a snollygoster wouldn't really serve you. Yeah, which is exactly what a snollygoster would want. Ooh, this one's tricky. Huh. I'm No Illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's Far Center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, the image of Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit is my Patronus. Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> will win the homeopathic equivalent of a $3 billion settlement. <laughs> she will. And Lauren Boebert puts the P in GOP. Well done. But first, the rest of the intro music. Joining me for headlines tonight are my fellow skeptic rats, no illusions, and Eli Bosnick. Gentlemen, with AACon in Phoenix, we're recording extra early this time around, but also because happy indictment week. Ooh, that's right. And speaking of which, in our lead story tonight, by, by which I mean last week, there is <laughs> still a semblance of justice in the American judiciary. It might still just be a semblance, we'll find out, but we already found out that after spending his entire presidential campaign and presidential term basically just committing all the crimes alphabetically, Donald Trump actually has been charged <laughs> for more than zero of them. And we learned this uh, last Thursday, or Thursday before last for y'all, because of either news alerts or spontaneous dancing in the streets, depending on what part of the country you live in. I assume there was a lot of sackcloth down at your local Walmart in Georgia, Noah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of ketchup on the walls everywhere, just sippy cups strewn about all over the place. Everything yeah. was at half-mast, yeah. Now, obviously, Red state's got a lot redder, yeah. A, a lot has happened with this case between the time we record this shit and the time you hear it. We're recording on Monday afternoon. Okay, what are you, Heath, all of a sudden so, over here? So, it's 4.19 p.m. God! Sorry. No, but, but critically, we're recording this before he's even been arraigned. I, I mean, for all we know, there could have been a OJ-esque slow-motion car chase up A1A, or, or, or a week-long Waco-style siege at Mar-a-Lago where he just tries to keep the feds at bay by throwing ketchup-splattered dishes at him. But that <laughs> left us with the choice of either talking about it in a way-out-of-date fashion or not talking about it at all, and I'll be damned to fucking hell if we've done this show for eight fucking years just so that we could not talk about the first time that Schmuckle Orange finally got indicted. Exactly. Look, people, we might not have the freshest takes, but I promise you, we have the hottest ones. I'm going to do a crime in New York so I can go to jail and become his cellmate. <laughs> exactly. Hot take. Yeah. So Will the New Yorker tell you that? No. No. <laughs> now, of course, this indictment comes to us from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Uh, now, from our temporal vantage point, we don't even actually know what the specific charges are, but we do know that this stems from the $130,000 hush money payment uh, that he made to adult film star Stormy Daniels in the run-up to the 2016 election. Or more specifically, for all the accounting shenanigans he later did to try to hide said payment. That is, of course, the crime that Michael Cohen went to jail for back in late 2018. But at some point between then and now, judging by conservative outrage, it became an unthinkable overreach to send somebody to jail for, uh, thanks to... I don't know, the fucking great precedent reset of 2022. <laughs> Why should you go to jail for a crime that somebody else 
noticed. Like, we're living in Arrested <laughs> Development. Right. We're in it. Yeah, the fact that the Republicans are hypocrites isn't what surprises me. It's the fact that they think we're going to fall for it. Right. Now, it's, it's worth remembering that a year ago, this case was pretty much considered dead in the water. In fact, since we're stuck in the past anyway, we might as well rewind all the way back to March of 2022 when Alvin Bragg had just taken over for Cyrus Vance Jr. as the New York County District Attorney. And as you recall, one of his first big actions was to essentially kill the criminal investigation into Trump. He halted the grand jury presentation on it, he reduced the number of attorneys working on the investigation, and he pissed off the two guys leading things so much that they both submitted letters of resignation and protest all about how damn many felonies Bragg was letting Trump get away with by not indicting. It's weird, though, because Fox News is running headlines about Alvin Bragg doing a one-person holocaust on yeah. Donald Trump right yeah. now. Right, right. That's why this holocaust. context matters so fucking much. Now, but to his credit, despite all the vitriol we had for Bragg at the time, he ultimately did resuscitate the investigation, and apparently in a slightly different direction. Uh, so the original case revolved around Trump misrepresenting his net worth, basically an outgrowth of the thing that the Trump organization was already found guilty of. But Bragg didn't think that would stick as a criminal charge. So instead, they started from square one and landed back on the hush money payment, which, again, someone has already gone to jail for. Just tall Tyler frantically renting a copy of Double Jeopardy from the local blockbuster. <laughs> I feel like Melania wants to help. She's just like, hey, well, what do you need? Whatever you need. <laughs> right. I fucking gotcha. I've seen that one. Hate that guy. So over the course of several months, we could see the outward signs of this criminal probe ramping back up. And this ultimately led to that awesome panic tweet that Trump sent out a couple of weeks ago on his generic Twitter about how he was going to be arrested on Tuesday. <laughs> but then he wasn't. And for a whole fucking nope. week, he wasn't. And stories started coming out about how the grand jury was going to not meet for another month. And apparently all of Trump's attorneys and advisors took that to mean that they decided not to indict him or that they had a full month before there'd be any movement. But what it actually meant is that they were done. They, they had already voted to indict. And so despite having confidently declared that it was going to happen less than two weeks earlier, Trump and his advisors were apparently caught completely off guard when the news broke late Thursday They're that so he'd been, uh, according to his hysterical pseudo tweet in the immediate aftermath of it, quote, indicated, end quote. <laughs> Honestly, I'm surprised he got that close. Yeah. I mean, it still works for his alphabetical list of crime words. No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Now, of course, the news of the indictment sent every sycophantic... Uh, I think it's pronounced indication, the news of the indication. <laughs> right, no, I get it. Uh, sent every sycophantic toady in the GOP rushing to see who could wrap their lips around Trump's dick the fastest. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy called it, quote, an attempt to interfere in our presidential election, uh, you know, God forbid, and, quote, um, Arizona <laughs> Representative Paul Gosar, the white supremacist man in Congress, uh, called it political persecution. Uh, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and George Santos all used the term witch hunt. And, of course, Gosar and Senators Ron Johnson and Rick Scott and plenty of others, actually, blame the whole thing on George Soros. Look, people, I, I know George Soros's face looks like one of those Mission Impossible masks that's halfway off, but he's just old. I swear right, it's yeah. not a it's just an old guy. I feel like Soros should just lean into this. Just show up at the Manhattan DA's office with like a giant check to present him like, here you go. One billion Dollars, obviously. I mean, you won't need this because yeah. that's just way too much. You're you're already good, but here it is. There you go. 
Now, of course, anti-Semitism wasn't the only kind of bigotry that Republicans could summon in response to this news. Uh, They also had plenty of racism and uh, physical threats against Alvin Bragg, the first African-American to ever hold the post of New York County District Attorney. And, And the threateners included, by the way, Donald fucking Trump, who posted a split screen image with Bragg on one side and Trump holding a baseball bat and looking menacing on the other side. Now, he later told Sean Hannity that he wasn't aware what image he'd shared uh, because presumably his his lawyers probably reminded him that threatening to assault the district attorney that just indicted you is also a felony. Sure. Yeah. Yet more proof that I have been way too cautious on our program. (laughs) Okay, but Donald, please go out onto Fifth Avenue with a baseball bat. Just see how it goes in New York City for you. Right, right, yeah. Go up to the Bronx, go to a Yankee game, see what happens. (laughs) Ted Cruz did great there. (laughs) But of all the responses to Trump's indictment, I think the most horrifying one came from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He dubbed the indictment un-American and added that, quote, Florida will not assist in an extradition request given the questionable circumstances at issue with the Soros-backed Manhattan prosecutor and his political agenda, end quote. In other words, I will not obey the laws I don't like. (laughs) Now, of course, he no doubt said this fully aware that it wasn't going to come to that and it was just a bunch of hollow posturing, unless my prediction of the Waco siege was correct. Uh, But even pretending that he was going to help a criminal avoid prosecution because that criminal was on his side is a pretty fucking dangerous breach of decorum. I just think it's super funny how he thinks they're friends till they run against each other in who gets to lose the next presidential Mm -hmm. election. It's, It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, and one other response, Donnie Jr. had an opinion about this. <laughs> yes. He said this is literally worse than Mao, Stalin, and Pol Pot. Yep. It's genocide. Genocide. Of one person. Of one guy, yeah, uh-huh. who, who will be alive like at the end. Of going after him. <laughs> of course, the, the big question coming out of this is whether Bragg should have brought the case at all. And I'm not going to pretend to know the merits of the indictment. I, I, I don't even know the fucking charges. I know there might be some statute of limitation issues, and a lot of commentators have called this a novel legal theory. But, like, it's Donald Trump. The man cannot take a shit without committing a felony. And, and, and this is a case that clearly won over a number of skeptics at the district attorney's office. So, sure, maybe eventual indictments in Georgia and D.C. are more robust or more ironclad or whatever. But, but taking that kind of shit into account when deciding whether to bring these charges would be unethical from Bragg's point of view. Right, for, for all the Republicans decrying this as politically motivated and therefore corrupt, the actual corrupt thing to do would be to pull his punches and let Trump get away with felonies because he was pretty sure Fonnie Willis was going to hit him harder sooner than later. And with that reminder, we're going to take a quick break and toss things over to our first sponsor this week, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hi, I'm Tall Tyler. You know, things are stressful around the Trump house these days. Quick, stuff these ramen packets in your hiding spot. You can use them as money and they're ribbed for your pleasure. Sarah, for the last time, I've got like six giant Cokes up there. There is no room at the inn. Do you hear me? No room. Squanch it. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, anxious, or lost, therapy might just be the ticket. Donner, do I have to throw away the fruit basket from Vladimir? No, no, I think we're good. Just, you know, throw away the card in case. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. 
Unlike when I changed lawyers, am I right, guys? I told you we should have done a kumite. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Skeptocrat today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Skeptocrat. BetterHelp, because your bad luck probably isn't the best part of America's month. Ah, these cars are so dry. Who told you to eat it? Just throw it away. All you did. <laughs> you going to finish it? <laughs> start it. You can start it. <laughs> We're back. Next up in headlines in Snow Way to Behave news. Watch out for flying pigs and plan that ski vacation to hell, because I am about to defend Gwyneth Paltrow, who, in spite of very clearly winning her court case about not skiing an old man to death, still managed to come off as crazier than a shithouse rat this week. Well, to, to be fair, she was taking essence of shithouse rat oil for her Morgellons disease at the <laughs> yeah. time. So. Uh, ma'am, you got to remove the ozone tube from your ass. What is that? I don't know. Before you take the oath, it's way too much. You got to get rid of that. That's crazy. <laughs> this is a courtroom. Yeah. So for those of you who have managed to unglue yourselves from TikTok and are therefore unaware of this bizarre multi-week circus, way back in February of 2016, an old guy skied into the back of Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, maybe it was on purpose, maybe it wasn't, but it definitely was fucking his fault because he apologized, said he was fine, and then skied away. Miss Paltrow and her ski instructor both attest to this fact. Or, if you believe the old guy, Gwyneth Paltrow skied into him, broke four of his ribs, caused him a major brain injury that ruined his life, and estranged him from his family, and then... He remembered all that in 2019 when he sued her for $3 million. Well, according to the standards of evidence that she herself promotes, that means he's right. Yeah, right? Like, like if, if suddenly motivated and unconvincing testimonials aren't a reliable source of information, her whole business model falls apart, doesn't it? Yeah, no more goop. Good point. Okay, new rule. If you ever go to court, the other team, whatever it is, they get to use... Your version of epistemology during the case counts as a legal. Rule. Oh, Trump's fucked now. Yeah. I feel like the Supreme Court would really agree with you there. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, Eli, what evidence does this old guy make brain damage have of this? Well, his ski buddy, who is colorblind and claims to have been 40 feet away, is pretty sure he saw it that way. And all the affidavits of Paltrow's family, the ski instructor, and the old guy's daughter saying that the reason he's estranged from his family is because he's a fucking asshole are all a conspiracy to prevent Gwyneth Paltrow from having to give 1.5% of her net worth away. <sighs> uh, side note, if anyone would like 1.5% of my net worth, you're welcome to it. Just be aware you're going to have to break a five. <laughs> no, So hold on a second, because legitimately, Gwyneth Paltrow is at least part of the reason that I'm an asshole. Right, and a big part of the reason that I'm estranged from all the MLM pitching woo loving cousins on my mind. I feel like I I might have a legal case here. Ooh, I, don't know. I like it, but you might end up owing her money for the favor she did. Oh, you, that, no way! You're right. That's fair. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So a jury saw that information and was like, "Yeah, no, man, you're an idiot," and awarded Paltrow the one dollar she asked for in damages. But I'm not here to celebrate with Gwyneth. That's what her butthole ozoner is here to do. No. I'm here to tell you about all the fucking insane things people said at the trial, because this is the internet, and that's how it works now. First of all, her opponent's lawyer, 
felt like she was doing a bit the entire trial, mentioning multiple times how jealous she was of Paltrow's height and overall fitness. What? Like like the Chris Farley show a la Court Reporter. <laughs> you remember when you were tall, fat, stupid. Yeah. And then, questioning if Paltrow's $1 ask was an allusion to a lawsuit Taylor Swift won a few years ago, she asked if they were friends and if, quote, You've never given Miss Swift personal, intimate gifts for Christmas? End quote. What? Did, did she go to the fucking courtroom sketch artist and ask if he could make it look like she and Gwyneth were doing each other's hair? What the <laughs> fuck? But it's not just Let's that. some Tay-Tay, though. I kind of get that. Like, if I if that comes up, I'm like, oh, tell me about it. I'm going to have follow-ups. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But it's not just that. Paltrow's alleged victim testified that his brain injury destroyed his ability to enjoy wine tastings. What? Yep. At one point, Paltrow's lawyers tried to show his x-rays with the broken ribs cropped out, and Paltrow testified that her dollar in compensation was for the, quote, half a day of skiing, end quote, that he had cost her. (laughs) Okay, the dollar, I think he owes more than the dollar, but the wine tasting thing, that's testable. You give him, like, two glasses of wine, you tell him he wins $3 million if he identifies the uh, left bank Bordeaux versus the right bank Bordeaux or whatever. Just check it. (laughs) Or something with Iocane powder. I don't know. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this guy. I don't like Gwyneth either. I hate everybody in this. Yeah, we we hate everybody involved. Anyway, all this is to say, everything about Gwyneth Paltrow is insane. All possible timelines and all occurrences. And we managed to say this without even mentioning the time she and Chris Martin hit a guy with their car. So Mm -hmm. this is how crazy this woman is. When they cropped out the broken ribs, so like they showed a chest x-ray, they were just like black rectangles around little parts of the ribs it's that were actually broken. dumber than that they like cut the picture in half to show the other side of him okay so stupid. wow i don't i don't even understand how that was helpful to anyone doesn't yeah, matter that's what the judge said yeah okay <laughs> fair good job judge which is how i discovered that it was reginald who committed the murder <gasps> you got me there detective Reginald, why? For the life insurance money, of course. Life insurance? But Papa hated paperwork and hustle and bustle. There's no way he had life insurance. I'm afraid he did, ma'am. Thanks to Policy Genius. What's Policy Genius? Policy Genius was built to modernize the life insurance industry. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $39 per month for $2 million of coverage. Some options offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Plus, Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. They work for you, not for the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. There are no added fees, and your personal details are private. Well, with that kind of service, Papa must have been insured to the elbow patches. Indeed he was. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net, and you deserve a smarter way to find and buy it. Head to PolicyGenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's PolicyGenius.com. Policy Genius. Take care of your family as long as they don't kill you in the library with a candlestick. And in Snow White Fragility News. Fantastic. Ron DeSantis got outsmarted by the legal team for a cartoon mouse. You hate to see it. You love to see it. You love Mm -hmm. to see it. 
After spending most of his tenure as the governor of Florida trying to erase the existence of gay people and erase the existence of negative white history like fucking big dude brother, he got into a fight with the Disney Corporation. Now, that company definitely doesn't have a great history themselves when it comes to social justice type stuff, but they're doing a little bit better recently, and everybody is doing better than Ron DeSantis. Either way, Ronnie of Sanctus is in a feud with a literal symbol of happy little kids. Like, yes. he, he might as well be in a feud with Disney. There's no other yeah. way to finish that. It's just so evil. Well, for spite, DeSantis replaced the governing board that oversees the district containing Disney World in Florida and installed a team of his Republican lackeys. But last week, we learned that right before the new board took power, the old board that was loyal to Disney wrote in a little provision <laughs> that it basically says all future versions of this board have pretty much no power. Fuck you personally, Ron DeSantis. That's right. Fuck you. You won't read this until it's too late because you're an idiot. Fuck you. End of document. And it worked. Yeah. It really worked. And I'm so happy. Yeah. Starting to fight against the second largest media company in the world and your own state's largest employer. They, this is the version of Trump they're selling as more politically savvy, guys. I just, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be too optimistic, but I feel like we might be okay in 2024. Maybe. Right. Also, let's be clear. Disney are also villains who are willing to fight dirty, right? Like, I know Ron is used to like, I'll send migrants to Martha's Vineyard and the wine hippies won't know what to do. But Disney will copyright your face and remove it from the internet, Ron. Punch down, <laughs> man. Punch down. All right. So here's how this all came to light. Last week, the new board full of fucking finger-steepling villains who hate happy children as their job, held a meeting to figure out how to, you know, bulldoze the tween center and put up a luxury lair development, whatever they're trying to do there. And they opened up the rule book and found out they were rendered almost entirely powerless. So they put out an angry statement that was like, the Magic Kingdom fucking tricked us. We're grown-ups and we got tricked by Disney. The new agreement put them in charge of road maintenance, and that's it. <laughs> it also lets Disney build a new theme park if they want, and it says the new board would need the company's approval to make any significant changes. And here's the best fucking part. The last-minute agreement is effective literally forever in perpetuity, and even if it gets challenged in court successfully, the agreement is effective, quote, until 21 years after the death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England. And exact quote from the official agreement. I laughed so fucking hard when I read this for a long time. Ron DeSantis talking to his hitman. Have you ever seen King Ralph? <laughs> no, he's not. I mean, God damn it. say, say what you will it. about Disney, but reminding a politician that they're not that many generations away from being put to death by their rightful king for their bullshit, pretty girl boss. Yeah. It's pretty girl boss. <laughs> so this was obviously a big L for Ronnie Two Boots. And it's only been a few weeks since we learned that he eats pudding from the tub with his fingers. Now, honestly, that made me like him way more. Yeah, no way yeah. you've never but, done that. But then this happened. And of course, I enjoyed this, too. But when you're gearing up for a potential campaign for president, you don't want Republican voters seeing Disney trick the fuck out of you. That's bad. Yeah, for well, you. I mean. 
They, they, they want to trick Trump with the old I do, I don't, I do, I don't, you do trick. But this, st- I mean, it is a step <laughs> up. But yeah, it's not a good place to be. So apparently DeSantis and the new governing board are planning to challenge that new agreement. But Disney can just be like, no, go fuck yourself. Legally, like it's written right there. They can do that. And they don't have anything to gain from like letting it be changed. The only rule about amending that agreement said they had to hold a public meeting, which they did. And they changed it legally. And Ron DeSantis, who, by the way, attended Harvard Law School, was too busy, you know, airlifting refugees to Massachusetts as an export business for him to notice that meeting or to notice a legal contract that says Disney can do whatever the fuck it wants as long as the royal line of England continues (laughs) existing. That's so good. And in Jurassic Fork news, an Australian cultured meat startup, pretty sure I just activated a winter soldier, named (laughs) Bao. Like an interesting one. yeah, Yeah, has created what they call a mammoth meatball this week. And on Tuesday, just a day after you hear this podcast, that meatball will join the collection at the Riskmuskmuskim Museum. Reichsmuseum. Birdhaven. Birdhaven. It's a museum of science and medicine in the Netherlands that is apparently in desperate need of exhibits. Yeah. No, right. For the, for those of you who look at all the graceful megafauna of Earth's distant past and think, I wonder what that looks like it would taste like. <laughs> Scientists finally have provided an answer. Oh, just a fry cook on the line at Buffalo Wild Wings. We're doing pterodactyl now? This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's so big. You can't fit this in a fry. What the hell is happening? Now, you might be asking yourself, Eli... What's a cultured meat startup, and how do I make sure there's never another one? Great question, yeah. podcast listener. <laughs> it sounds Frankensteinian, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> so, see, for years, vegans have been coming for your bacon in two ways. The first is to make things that taste kind of, sort of, like meat and cheese, and hope that you switch to them, and, and that has been, by all accounts... A tremendous failure, right? In, in mm-hmm. spite of the fact that taste tests constantly show that carnivores consistently can't tell the difference or prefer plant-based meats, y'all can't get enough suffering-filled <laughs> balls of sentient anguish. We switched out his beef meatballs for science mammoth. Let's see if he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. And that brings us to <laughs> tactic number two. Using genetic technology, scientists grow real animal tissue in a lab... No suffering required. And that is what this meatball is. It's it's lab-grown lamb with just a teeny tiny bit of mammoth DNA squirted inside. Okay. I, just, I want to be fair. We, we can tell the difference between plant-based meat and regular stuff when we look at the price tag, though. <laughs> sure. But even with a higher price, I'm 100% on board with ethical science meat. Like, if sure. I can afford it, I'm in. I love that. Yeah. The Impossible Burger's pretty good. We're already doing a pretty good one. Yeah. Now, I should point out that the meatball isn't edible, right? The technology used to create it isn't currently scalable, but Vow and other companies like it are hoping press like this piques the interest of carnists enough that they can get a foot in the food space door. And and to be fair, they have. Just this year, the FDA approved lab-grown chicken, saying almost, quote, If you knew what was in chicken nuggets, you would know there is nothing created by man or God that could possibly be worse. (laughs) Sure, go ahead. That's fair. End fake quote. (laughs) Eli, chicken nuggets are made of happiness and breading, (laughs) goddammit. Okay, I'll be honest, though. A lot of the time... I just eat the breading. Like, Mm -hmm. eat fried chicken, chicken nuggets. I'm just, like, grabbing it off. Like fucking Cartman. 
So, yeah, will we be chopping down on mammoth burgers in the near future? Eh, unlikely. But your grandkids might have burgers made without cows. And hell, you and I might even have one. And that's one spicy meatball. God, that's why you did this whole story. Yes, Thank you. I did it for that bit at the end. And finally tonight, in eating urinal cake and having it too news, <laughs> we have a story about Lauren Boebert. She's had a really busy week at her job in U.S. Congress, by the way. She started by lobbying to kill an endangered species. That was the beginning of her latest week. Then she argued for classifying the human fetus as an endangered species. Then she called for the abolition of the entire U.S. Department of Education. And then she spent forever during a hearing yelling about how they decriminalized public urination in Washington, D.C. Spoiler, they did not. No, nope. they didn't. She was mistaken. But she managed to rephrase her question of wrongness so many goddamn times in a row before she finally realized she was embarrassing herself like for herself. I know. And finally shut the fuck up and yielded. The narrator cuts in. It was only then that Mrs. Bobert realized how thoroughly she'd been misunderstanding the phrase number one priority. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ron Howard. It was like the I shot the clerk scene from my cousin Vinny, but she was alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the House Oversight and Accountability Committee was having a hearing about crime in the nation's capital. And they had several members of the D.C. City Council to answer questions, including Council Member Charles Allen. When it was Bobert's turn to speak, she looked down at her folder of papers that was clearly just like blank or unrelated. And she <laughs> shuffled them around to pretend that she didn't completely forget to do the homework, but it was her turn. And then she launched into a rant as best she could. And just in case anyone missed it, we actually have the original audio. So here's the exchange between Lauren Bobert. Councilman Allen and the committee chair. Let's roll that tape. Mr. Allen, based on these statistics, I'd like to talk to you mm -hmm. about some other things that are going on in Washington, D.C., specifically an initiative that you led in November of 2022. You led the charge to reform D.C.'s crime laws. Is that correct? Uh, I chaired the committee, which that proposal you came from. You led so, this yeah. charge, yes, okay. sir. And these charges, th these changes mm. are now law here in D.C., correct? Uh, do you mean the revised criminal code? Yes. Okay, well then, no, those are not the law. Those are not the law. Did with the, the, the revised not, criminal code was excuse rejected. Excuse me, Mr. Chairman. By... I am talking to Mr. Allen. Mr. Allen. Mm -hmm. yeah, did you ahead. or did you not decriminalize public urination in Washington, D.C.? No, I did, did not. Did you lead the charge to do so? No, the revised criminal code left that as a criminal Did charge. you lead the charge to decriminalize public urination in Washington, D.C.? No, no, ma'am, I did not. In the revised criminal code... Did you ever they, vote uh, in favor of decriminalizing public urination in Washington, D.C.? The, the revised criminal code that was passed by the council... Did you ever it, support... It, it kept it as a criminal offense. Did you ever... Did you... And you support 
this criminal offense? Yeah, I, I voted for it. Yeah. You voted to keep it as criminal defense? That's correct. The full council did. We have records that show you were in favor of removing that criminal offense and allowing public urination. No. Is no, that the, something uh, you intend to pursue in the future? No. The legislation you're referring to came from the Criminal Code Reform Commission and changed public urination from a criminal to a civil offense. The council that I'm on then changed that to maintain it as a criminal offense at the request of the mayor. Thank you, I yield. Okay, seriously, that was verbatim what happened during a real <laughs> congressional hearing. So, obviously, watching Lobobes get played off like the Oscars of public urination was delightful, but my favorite moment happened right after that. Democrat Becca Balint of Vermont had the floor, and here's what we got. Let's roll that one more time. They're choosing to waste our time by talking about public urination over and over and over. I, I just I just want to make sure. Do you have anything additional you want to say about public urination? I do! Not you. You can hold it. I'm talking to Mr. Allen. It's not your time. My husband showed his dick to a minor at a bowling alley. Yeah, we at know. a bowling alley, yep. Got he it. He did. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where are my fucking shoes? And to be clear, like that last one was a joke, but that first beep, that was all real. That was all word for word. We mean it. It really yep. was. And most of the second beep was real too. Like the beginning <laughs> of the second beep was exactly what happened with Lauren Bober being like, I do have something, not you. That's exactly what happened. And just to add a little icing on the cake, we also got a quick comment from one of my favorite Congress people, Jamie Raskin of Maryland, who added, love all the passion about public safety. I wish we'd seen equal passion on behalf of public safety in D.C. on fucking January 6th. He didn't say fucking, but <laughs> <laughs> So great work from Becca Balint and Jamie Raskin taking the piss. Love it. <laughs> Lou Bobes had a bad day <laughs> peeing. And on that note, we're going to close it out. Thanks to No Illusions. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like all the new generous donors who will be complimented next time around. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent like those fine people, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, D&D Minus, and Citation Needed, available on Apple Music, Stitcher, all those other podcast apps, or the deep web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Slonick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time... Catchphrase sign-off. Okay, there, there wasn't room for it in the story, but I have to make this point about the fucking public urination thing, right? Because obviously if you're Lauren Boebert and you hear that, given the husband that she has, you just imagine people whipping their dicks out and pissing everywhere, right? No, right. It, but, but it's for people who are homeless just exactly. having to do that sometimes that's, and they should be able to. And first of all, it was they weren't like getting rid of any laws. They were turning it into a civil rather than a criminal offense. So they were taking one of the ways that we criminalize homelessness away. And yeah, Republicans got so furious about that that they that this reform ended up being 
vetoed, but that is how it should fucking work. You shouldn't be able to go to goddamn jail because you can't, like, like make more, if you don't want to see people piss in, in public, make more fucking public restrooms. Jesus. Yeah, look, yeah. we all lived in New York City. We've all watched uh, truly hundreds of men pee against walls, subway doors, sometimes our legs. I've literally never thought to myself, ah, oh, man, I wish that guy was like in pretty serious danger right now. <laughs> right. right. Yes. Insane. Jesus fucking Christ. Either way, Lauren Boebert is quite sure that it's legal for you to publicly pee right next to her car when she parks. I next have to, to her feel like that's something her husband DC. convinced her of. He's yeah, like, well, no, this sure. is legal now. They made this. I'm allowed to have my dick out here. I was peeing in that bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> Heath, do you promise she thinks it's legal? Because I know where we want to do our next live show then. <laughs> <laughs> right next to Lauren Boebert. <laughs> go take a public, public piss, piss in, in Lauren Boebert's office. There we go. <laughs> well done. The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.